today. And just like to take a moment, as you saw in the announcement, yesterday was 20 years since 9-11. Now, I know for some of us, that seems like that was a long time ago, but I know for a lot of people, especially those who lost loved ones or who were injured during that time, it was like yesterday. So I'd like to ask you to please take a moment. Let's bow our head in silence. We're just going to take a moment of silence and remembrance of those that lost their lives, those that were in service at the time, the police and the firemen and everything, those that had family members that they lost. Let's just take a moment of silence for them also. Amen. Okay. All right. So, we are still standing and believing that God is God over all. God is greater than COVID. God is greater than any fear or anything that the media may tell us. God is greater. God has not changed. He is still the God of back in the Bible that we read in the Old Testament and the New Testament all throughout his word is the same God that we're celebrating today. And because we know that and because we stand in that truth, we can make this faith statement. And it's only because we stand on his promises and we trust in him that we can make this statement. So I want you to stand with me today if you're able and let's make this statement out of our heart. We are sword drawn, word ready, purpose filled. We will not be denied. And in Jesus' name, we will do everything, not somehow, but triumphantly. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I know that a lot of people, because of this COVID issue, have had reduction in salaries. Some people may have lost in salary. I know this whole thing with the unemployment and can't find jobs or don't want to work and find a job, whatever the situation may be. But you know what? God is still our provider. And He still provides our finances. And if we trust in Him, He will provide more than enough for us to give back. So let's stand on that promise and let's make our faith statement over our finances. As we receive today's offering, we are believing the Lord for jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, favorable settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, debts paid off, expenses decrease, blessing and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs that I may have more than enough to give into the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Church, I also want to let you know that yes, we are 
we are um, observing COVID protocols, but this altar is still open. You can still come to this altar. You can still social distance at this altar. God is still moving in this place. The Holy Spirit is still the guiding force in this place. So don't let the fact that we've had to separate rows or separate families prevent you from coming and experiencing the Holy Spirit here at this altar. So as we worship, let's worship the Lord of all. Come on, are you ready to worship the Lord? Come on, nothing's changed with our God, amen? Come on, let's praise Him. Let's pray. 
night, God, no matter what is going on in this crazy world, God, you are still good. And I will bless your name, Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. Lord, because you're worthy. Lord, it's a choice today. Come on, when I say I will bless, will, it is a choice. I make the choice today to bless the Lord. Come on, do that with me. Come on, let's sing it.
Where two or three are gathered, He is here. Come on, the key is to worship. This is who he is. You Every heart touching every heart. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, healing every heart. I worship you. I worship Come on, let it turn your life around today. Miracle worker, promise keeper, 
making a way, God, you are making a way. You're turning it around, Jesus. Yes, you are. Come on, just praise him like you see your answer. Thank you, Lord, for turning it around. Thank you, Lord, for healing. Lord, we trust you, Lord, we trust you. Because you dad used to preach a sermon and he'd say you are committed to what you confess so if you hear me say out loud 
I will bless the Lord at all times. Guess what? You can hold me to that. I'm committed to it. You hear me say that, and you hear me over here complaining when times get hard, you can be like, mm-mm, chick, you said you would bless the Lord at all times. I'm committed to what I confess. So we just sang it. But right where you are, you don't have to get close. Look at somebody in the eyes and say, I will bless the Lord at all times. Come on, say it so we'll be committed. to that now. We're committed to what we confess. Amen. And I promise you, it's easy to do it in good, but if you can do it in the bad, let me tell you something. He becomes that shield about you, that buffer, and he just makes all things beautiful. Even the ugly stuff, he can use it. Amen. You can go back to your seat. And just keep confessing that I will bless the Lord at all times. Amen, church. Hallelujah. How many in here are thankful that we can still come together and we can praise and worship? Yes. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. That we still have the opportunity to gather and that we are not coming together in fear. But more so than that, did you hear what we were professing? Did you hear the words that we were singing? He is my shield. He is my present help. You know what that means? He never leaves you. When you need help, he's right there. You don't have to wait on him, call him up and say, he says, okay, 30, 45 minutes, I'll be there. He's your ever-present help in every situation. So when we praise and worship like we did today, think about the words that we're singing. Because they're just not something that's cute Michelle thought would be great for us to sing today. It is praise with a purpose. So imagine what that purpose is when you sing it. Amen. Father God, I just want to take this time and pause. Holy Spirit, that you would have your way. You'd have your way here in this word. That you would speak. Father God, I just I request your presence here today. That I would become less and you would become more. 
Now, I have spent time in prayer. I have spent time in preparing the word. But, Father, you have your way. You speak what you want to speak through us today, Father. And, Lord God, I pray that each and every person in here will be prepared to receive that which you're sending forth, God. Because you have told us that your word does not go forth, that it doesn't come back void. That it will accomplish that for which you send it. Holy Spirit, I pray that your words will accomplish that today for which you send it. Amen. Well, church, today I'm going to preach on a popular parable that most of us know or have at least been experienced with. And that is the parable of the sower. And I'm going to be preaching from it from Mark 4, verses 3 through 9, if you want to follow along. I also, it's up on PowerPoint, so you really don't have to look it up. And I'm going to be using the New King James Version. You know, as I studied this and I thought more about this, this is one of those things, maybe not as a kindergartner you learn, maybe you were a little bit older, child, but usually you learn this as a child or a young adult that you would learn this parable. Jesus spoke a lot of his things in parables. And if you've ever read some of those parables, sometimes even his own disciples had to ask Jesus, I have no clue what you were saying. What, what did you mean by that? And this is one of those parables that they came back to him afterwards because when he spoke this, he had just finished, or he spoke this to the crowd that had gathered around him so many people that he actually had to get in a boat and go out on the water to keep the crowds from pressing in on him. And he spoke this parable to them. And I'm going to get into the parable in a second, but I want you to know that later on, he translates this parable. And what he says to them is, they basically said, why are you speaking in parables? And he said to them, I speak in parables because those are out there who have no intentions of hearing. So he says many, many times in the Bible, let him who has ears to hear, let him hear. Church, I ask you today to prepare your hearts and minds to hear what God is saying through this parable. A lot of times in this parable too, when I read it, I thought this was about other people. But you know, God is also applying it to us. He is saying for us to examine ourselves. He's not just speaking about those on the outside. He's speaking about those to us. So as he starts off in the verse, Cindy, if you can go to the first slide, please. I think we're froze up here. All right, so he starts out in verse 3, 
And the very first word he says is what? Listen. Now, it was funny because I was speaking to some younger youth in our church yesterday, and we were going, I was presenting this to them to see if they could understand what I was saying. And one person was off doing something else, and after I talked to her, they looked up and said, Oh, I'm sorry, what were you saying? Okay, that's an attitude that the world gives us. We're busy on our phones. We're busy making our list. We're busy doing other things. We're busy worried about today. What are you going to have for lunch? Are you going out? Are you going to cook? If you're going to cook, what you're going to cook? How long is it going to take? Is my family going to be happy with it? We have all these things that vie for our attention. And the very first thing he says here is listen. So congregation, I want you to listen to what he is saying today. Behold, a sower went out to sow. Well, what is the first component for you to listen besides paying attention? What is physically the one thing you have to have to listen? Ears. So you must have ears to hear. Now, physically, most of us have ears. Some of them work better than others. If you're like me, I only have hearing on one side of my head, so I'll do a lot of turning back and forth when someone talks to me. But still, what about your spiritual ears? You've got to have spiritual ears to hear. Else how are you going to understand the parable? If you don't know the plain truths of the gospel, then how can you learn the more difficult things? If I haven't stood in time and listened to the plain truth of the gospel, you want me to tell you what the gospel is? Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, suffered under Pontius Pilate, died for our sin, rose three days later, and has come back and saved us from sin. That's it in a nutshell. Did that take hours? No. If I cannot learn that simple truth, how can I move on from there? There's also this problem that many people who hear the word of the gospel, very few receive it. And very few bring forth fruit from it. You've got to make sure that part of your hearing the gospel is that you're actively bringing forth fruit. Now, most of us in here, we're in the South. Unless you are transplanted from somewhere else and you were born here, you know what farming is. And you know what's entailed in farming? You get seed, you plant the seed. You tend the seed, you water the seed, you care for the seed, it grows, you pick the fruit, you process the food in whatever way you need to process it. It's work, right? You don't just put the seed out there and then it appears on your table fixed, correct? Well, it's the same thing with hearing the word and bringing forth fruit in your life. It takes more than just hearing. It takes action. You've got to work toward it. Well, how do I work toward it? I study. I read more of the word. I say, okay, what did that really mean? What was he really trying to say here? What does that verse entail? Have you ever heard of the 2020 rule when you're reading scripture? If someone gives you one verse, read 20 verses before and 20 verses after to get the whole picture. Because you know what? 
and I'm guilty of it today, I'm going to give you some one-verse scriptures, but you can make the Bible say anything you want by reading one scripture. So prove what's being said. That's how you work at it. That's how you grow and bring forth fruit. Verse 4 says, And it happened as he sowed that some of the seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Who in here knows what a wayside is? And I'm just going to tell you I had to Google it because I thought I knew what it was. Just announce if you know what a wayside is. It's, it's actually a path. Now, you've got to understand their idea of roads and our idea of roads today are different. Their roads would have been traveled by animals and on foot. They didn't have tarmac and cars and stuff like that. But it's usually a well-worn path. And when they sowed, they didn't have tractors. They put nice, neat little rows in. Most of the time, their sowing was done by hand, and they walked, and they spread the seed like this with their hand. Some of that seed went in places that they probably didn't intend it to go. A wayside is a path that has been trotted down, that has been beaten down, and that is hard soil. So the seed lays on top. It doesn't go deep down into the ground. It can't. It's too hard. It lays on top. And in my version, it says the birds of the air. In other translations, it actually says Satan comes and takes the seed. First of all, this is an activity of Satan. This is something that he is doing constantly. These are people, these represent people with hardened hearts. Their hearts are so hardened, either through unbelief, either through offense, or either through what I like to call holiday Christians. These are these Christians that only come to church on Christmas and Easter, and maybe some other holiday they'll show up because they feel like they have to because that's the thing you do on the holiday. These people have hardened hearts. They can't get the seed in their heart because the Holy Spirit, they haven't allowed him to come and plow up and make that hardened ground soft. So the word does not leave an abiding impression upon their minds because their hearts are not duly prepared to receive it. And the devil is very busy about the careless hearers as the fowls of the air go about the seed that lies on the ground. Think about it. Birds, most of the time, are not out there digging up seed. They're going for the easy pickings. So if God, who is the sower, sows the seed and the seed lays on the ground, how hard is it for Satan to come take away? It's simple. He comes, snatches it right away, and it cannot produce. There is no fruit produced. Because the seed did not take root. I'm going to read from you from Second Chronicles 36, 11 through 21. So it's kind of long, so if you'll bear with me. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king. And he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. 
He did evil in the sight of the Lord his God and did not humble himself before Jeremiah the prophet who spoke from the mouth of the Lord. Now, I want you to understand, God always sends a prophet. Now, that prophet may be a person. That prophet may be a prophetic word to people. There's always a warning here. Zedekiah was not left on his own. He was doing evil, but God sent someone in the form of Jeremiah and said, hey, you need to change your ways. You are not following the Lord. Verse 13. And he also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar, who had made him swear an oath by God, but he stiffened his neck and hardened his heart against turning to the Lord God of Israel. Moreover, all the leaders of the priest and the people transgressed more and more according to all the abominations of the nations and defiled the house of the Lord which he had consecrated in Jerusalem. People, this is the results of a hardened heart. We're talking about a leader here, but what about an individual? A person who's hardened their heart does whatever feels good to them. There's no common sense because they're not following moral absolutes. And I'm here to tell you, church, there is moral absolutes. Don't fall for this thing of, well, it may be right for you, but it's not right for me. It's right for whatever the Bible says it is. That's your moral absolute. And if it goes against the word of God, you better turn. And the Lord God of their fathers went, sent warnings to them by his messengers. Again, God sent messengers to him to say, turn. That call is for us today. There are messengers. There's a word. There are preachers. This is what we're doing today. There are warnings out there. Make sure you are not hardening your heart. Rising, the messengers rising up early and sending them because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked the messengers of God, despised his words, and scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people till there was no remedy. People, God will not tarry forever. And I'm speaking to people who are here in church but you also need to understand your friends, your neighbors, and your family. If they are doing wrong or if they are hardening their hearts, you need to make sure and take action. We're going to do a series soon on eternity. You've got to know where you're going, where your neighbor's going. That's called evangelism. Therefore, he brought against them the king of the Chaldeans, who killed their young men with the sword in the house of their sanctuary and had no compassion on the young man or virgin, on the aged or the weak. He gave them all into his hand, and all the articles of the house of God, great and small, the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king and of its leaders, all these he took to Babylon. Then down... Then God broke down the wall of Jerusalem, burned all its places with fire, destroyed all its precious possessions, and those who escaped from the sword he carried away to Babylon, where they became servants to him and his sons until the rule of the kingdom of Persia, to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, until the land that enjoyed 
her Sabbath. As long as she lay desolate, she kept the Sabbath to fulfill 70 years. All because one man hardened his heart, got his leaders to do the same. And th these are not Gentiles. These are Israelites. These are the chosen people of God that were led astray. This is the result of a hardened heart. Job 9, verse 4. This is where Job, and if you've read the book of Job, he speaks with God. He questions God. God, they have a little back and forth. He questions. He has his friends come to give him really poor counsel. In Job 9, the heading is, There is no mediator. And Job says, God is wise in heart and mighty in strength. Who has hardened himself against him and prospered? Daniel 5:20. Now this is Daniel speaking of Nebuchadnezzar. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened in pride, he was deposed of his kingly throne and they took his glory from him. The seed was snatched away. He lost everything. He lost his kingdom. He lost his wealth. He lost his riches. Well, I'm not a king. I don't amass mass amounts of wealth. But ever, have you ever thought that what you have could be taken away? Harden your heart. To the point where God says, enough, and see what he'll do. So do not harden your heart. And again, this is for us today. You can be a child of God, walking in favor, walking in glory. Let the cares of the world get involved with you and harden your heart. And you're no better off than any of these people I just read you about. Mark, verses 5 and 6. Some, talking about seed, fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. This, first of all, concerns an activity of the flesh. These are people with hollow hearts. These are people who hear the word. They're excited about the word, but they have no foundation. They're hollow. An example of who these would be would be hypocrites. Those that just come for their own gain. Listen to what I'm saying now. Church hoppers. People who go from church to church to church to church. I'm good because I'm, I'm there every Sunday and I'm hearing the word. But you have no foundation. You have no root system. Good people. And please hear me what I'm saying. Good people go to hell. 
I'm going to say it again. Good people go to hell. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, and that knowing is not just knowing a name. The demons know the name of Jesus and they tremble. That knowing is a relationship. That knowing is a day-to-day conversation. That knowing is a fear of God that you know that everything you do, everything you say, and everything you think, Jesus Christ hears and sees. If you are not convicted by that, you may not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You may be a good person. Good people, hypocrites, church hoppers, hirelings. Hirelings is someone who is hired to do a job. They don't have possession, and whatever they're doing, they're just hired to take care of a situation. These people appear to be good. They can say the right things. They can talk the right talk. But because they have no foundation, their seed starts to grow. The sun comes up, and because they have no root to get down into that soil, to get it onto that moisture, they die off. There's no substance. There's nothing there that's making them established. They're good little plants, but that's all they are. Matthew 15, 7 through 9. Hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines of the commandments of men. The commandments of men, that means if I as your pastor get up here, and tell you that the only way you can get to heaven is by putting your left leg over your right ear and saying three prayers four times a day or else you're going to hell, that's a man-made doctrine. Now you say that sounds ridiculous. But we have simple doctrines out there that people think they have to do. Oh, I have to make sure I pray every morning for my grandmother You know, but my heart's not in. I just say a little quick prayer and I'm done. I'm not really praying for her. I'm just praying to get the prayer done and so I can get on with my day. That's a man-made practice. Our Catholic brothers and sisters, I'm just going to be honest with you. Praying to a rosary as a rote thing that you're just doing because that's what you're supposed to do has no usefulness. Your heart is far from God. These other things that you're supposed to touch this, do that, stand up here, dance over here, give this amount of money, go visit these 17 people before you can be holy, it's a man-made issue. That's a hypocrite who has told you that. 
Matthew 23, 13 through 15. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers. Therefore, you will receive greater condemnation. I'll stop there just a second. If you feel like you have to pray a rote prayer, and your prayer has to be 10 hours a day, but you out there in the world, and you doing the wrong thing, and you're not living a righteous life, that prayer means nothing. God doesn't hear that prayer. You're actually praying condemnation on yourself. Just like the Pharisees, they were cheating out the widows and the homeless and the orphans, but yet they were showing up every Sunday making them prayers in church. It was availing them nothing. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel land and sea to win one proselyte. And when he is one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. They were witnessing. They were traveling around trying to convert people and teaching them wrong doctrines, sending them down the wrong path. Well, I don't do that. Well, I don't have any of these things. I'm, I'm not a hypocrite. I'm not a church hopper. I've been coming here for 50 years. I'm a good person, but do you have a hollow heart? Do you have a foundation laid in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? False professions and continuation in barren gifts and in barren processes they all go down to hell. Impressions that are not deep will not last. Verse 7. And some felt seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew and choked it, and it yielded no crop. And it's funny here how this one says it yielded no crop. Has any of this yielded any crop up to this point? No, nothing has been produced. Everything has been in vain. The seed laid on the ground, Satan got it. The seed came up to a little bit, got a little bit of trouble, died out, went back to the world. Now the seed that fell on thorns and grew up and choked the and it was choked and it yielded no crop. This is an activity of the world. These are people with half hearts. These are what I call Sunday Christians. These are people that they're only faithful, and I hate the word religious, activity is on Sunday. They live like hell all through Saturday, through Saturday. But on Sunday, they're in church raising their hands, praising the Lord. 
These are half-hearted Christians. These are quote-unquote Christians who always seem to find other things to do, always on Sunday. They got all day Saturday, most of the time, sometime during the week, but it's always on Sunday. Y'all, Sunday is my day of rest, so I just can't make it to church today. Let me take my boat out on the lake. Do you know what process it takes you to get your boat out on the lake? A lot more work than it takes to come into this sanctuary and hear the word. These are the people who let the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things keep them from building a solid heart. Church, are we half-hearted Christians? Are we good we come to church on Sunday? We may even come on Wednesday. You know what? I may talk to my coworkers or to my family members on Friday about it. But the rest of the week, I'm no different than the world. I worry about making more money. And God intended us to make money. But as long as we understand that he is our provider, not our jobs. Do you know those in here who work? You have a job because God provided that job for you. Not because you were anything special, that you had some special skill. Because God provided that job for you. He wants you to provide for your family. But when you start going over and above, when enough is never enough, when you've got to have the newest and latest vehicle, the newest and latest gadget, the newest and latest TVs, the newest and latest appliances, not that there was anything wrong with your other ones, but because, you know, sister so-and-so, she's got a better dishwasher than I have, so uh-uh, I'm going to have a better one. That's the cares of riches. What about the cares of the world? This hits me hard because I am not a meet a stranger in the mall, walk up to them and say, hey, do you know Jesus? It's just not in me. I'm trying to develop that. But do you worry what people think about you? Do you worry that if someone was to look at you and say, are you a Christian? Are you going to hee and haw around and hum and, well, what they might think? And, oh, my job doesn't allow us to talk about that. And um, um, I, don't, I don't know. It's the cares of the world. Oh, I'm going to hit some of y'all here. How many people in here go on 15 vacations a year? It's usually all within four months. There's nothing going, wrong with going on a vacation. But when that is your sole purpose... And you're not spending time serving the Lord. You're not spending time taking care of the Lord's house and taking care of your household. You are working everything you can do night and day, 15 hours a day, so that you can go on all those vacations. That's the care of the world. Desires for other things. My wife can tell you I'm a gadget nut. I want the latest clicker. I want the latest VCR. I'm not happy with just a standard put in. Well, yeah, don't laugh. Okay, showing my age here. Okay, the latest digital equipment, okay? 
my daughter and I, we were laughing because we looked at the last Sunday and last Wednesday service, and I learned to cast my phone screen on the TV. I feel like I've made it, okay? But I want a better phone so I can do a better casting or make it easier. That's the desire for other things. And there's nothing wrong with having good things. Don't take that I'm saying you can't have any good stuff. What I'm saying is if your intention and your desires outweighs your service to the Lord, be careful, that's a thorn. And eventually that will grow into the place where you will no longer have the desire to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And you will no longer produce fruit. And just like we read in here about Zedekiah and Nebuchadnezzar and all, when they hardened their hearts, that's, that's the next step. You will produce no fruit. Others are hindered from the profiting by the word of God, by the abundance of the world. Warning. Those who have but little of the world may yet be ruined by indulging the body. And finally, this is the portion that we all want to get to. This is where we should all be. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced, some 30-fold, some 60-fold, and some 100. These are people with whole hearts. These are true believers who have a solid foundation with Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. These are the ones that seek more of the word of Jesus, never satisfied with just what they have, knowing that there is more to Jesus than what I know. And I want to know more. These are also those that use their God-given gifts and talents and work and produce fruit. It doesn't do any good to tell you I have the gift of teaching if I never teach. And part of that teaching requires me to study, to understand, to seek, and to know. I can't just stand up in front of you on a Sunday or on a Wednesday or in a classroom and not have read anything, not know anything about what I'm teaching, and just look you in the face and teach. It's not going to happen. It takes work. That's part of using the gifts that God has given you. That's part of having a heart that is full. That's part of having the good ground that he's speaking here. Church, make no mistake. God expects and requires from you fruit. You cannot come to church and sit and think you've done your duty. And I know that the American church has been teaching as long as you're here on Sunday and as long as I can count you in my church as a head that showed up, 
You're good. I don't care about whatever you do the rest of the week. Wrong. God wants to see fruit. He wants to see fruit in your life. He wants to see fruit in his church. And I'm telling you right now, Crossroads World Outreach Center will not grow if you who are sitting here and you who are online are not using your spiritual giving gifts here in this church. So I want you to think about what God has blessed you with. And I'm not talking finances. I'm talking spiritual gifts. And if you want to know where you can plug in, come see me or come see Pastor Josiah and say, I feel like I had the gift of whatever. We have places for you to serve. We have needs in our body right now where we need people to be expressing their gifts. To sit in a chair Sunday after Sunday is killing a church. You've got to be active. Matthew 3, 10. Sorry, that should be John 10, verse 12. I'm sorry, I'm off here. That's about a hireling. I apologize. Church, let us look to the Lord that by his new creating grace in our hearts, we may become good ground. And that the good seed of the word may produce in our lives those good, work, those good words and works, which are through Jesus Christ to the praise of, and glory of God the Father. Take this note. Christ does not say this good ground has no stones in it, nor thorns. But what it does have could not possibly hinder its fruitfulness. Bearing fruit is never a problem with what is sown, but it is with the soil that it falls upon. You are responsible for your soil. It is your responsibility to make sure you have good soil. It is, make, it is your responsibility to make sure if you have a hardened heart, that you ask the Holy Spirit to help you break that up. If you have a heart that is hollow with no foundation, it is your responsibility to seek the Holy Spirit and to gain that foundation. If you find out that your soil has thorns and cares of the world and other things that seem to take place, and I'm going to warn you, you may be sitting there and say, okay, from this point on, I'm going to do the right thing. If you mean it, be prepared because you're going to be tested with it. Everything that you thought was not a problem are going to start coming up. You've got to stand up and make that a um, something that you're going to do irregardless. You're not going to go back to the way it was. You are responsible for breaking up and getting rid of those things. This whole parable shows a gradation, and that's just a fancy word for different levels. 
The first level, nothing's produced. The seed didn't take hold. It was snatched away immediately. It didn't have a chance to grow. So the word didn't produce anything. At least not in these people. Second, it produced a little teeny tiny leaf. But then, bam, the sun come up and it wiltered. Wilted, no fruit. Third, it almost produced. It started growing up. Started getting there. The thorns made it fail to bring it to fruition. Again, no fruit. Only in the fourth does it yield fruit, but in different measures. Well, Pastor Charlie, that's great. I understood all of that. Sounds good, and I'm going to try. I'm going to give you the same thing that he says in verse 9. That Notice we started out, what was the first word that we started out with? Verse 9. And he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Father God, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for what you're showing us, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that we have to put this on ourselves, Father, make it our responsibility to make sure that we fall into the right portion of the parable that you spoke here, that we have good soil, that your word does not come to us and then it gets snatched away or it gets burnt by the sun or it gets choked out by the thorns. But God, that seed would go down into our soil. It would go deep. It would produce deep roots. And the thing that it produces would be your fruit. And Father, it would grow tall. It would produce 30, 60, and 100 fold of everything that you have for us, God. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Church, I'm going to ask you right now to examine your heart. And if you can honestly say that maybe you don't fall all the way into the good soil category. Maybe you've been offended by what someone has said or done to you. You know what? Church people hurt church people. Maybe you've been offended by what someone didn't say to you. Maybe you've been playing at church. Maybe you've just been coming on Sunday because that's what you did, because that's how you grew up. Maybe you try to do the right thing, but you always seem to get pulled away by other things of the world, by desires other than what God has for you. If that is you, still observing COVID protocol, if you would like to come to the altar, and you don't have to, you can stay where you are, but just repeat after me. Father God, I am so sorry. You're such a loving, caring, 
patient God. And you've done all this that you've done for me to make sure that I don't have a hardened or a shallow heart or a half-set heart, but that I would have a full heart. Father, there are things in my life that I need to correct. Holy Spirit, reveal those things to me right now. And I submit those things to you, Lord. I make a commitment to you, Lord, not to Crossroads World Outreach Center, but to you, Jesus Christ, that you would forgive me. Forgive me and show me what I need to do. If I need to get more active, Lord, show me where I need to serve. If someone needs to help me into where I need to serve, show me the right person to speak with. The Father God, the ultimate desire of my heart is to serve you as Lord and Savior of my life. I put aside all those other ideas and thoughts that I may have been given or all those other ideas and thoughts that I may have been serving and I serve you and you alone. To your glory and honor, and I praise you, Lord. And I thank you, Lord. Thank you for all the help you're going to provide me. Thank you for all the prophets you're going to send my way. Thank you for all the word that you're going to expose to me. Your way, Lord. For you and you alone are the way, the truth, and the life. And no other way can I get to you but through Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's give him a praise, church. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. As you know, we are going to dismiss by COVID protocol. I want to practice that word. So the ushers will dismiss you row by row. We do ask you, please do not stay in the building. You can go outside to your vehicle. And that being said, there is food across the street. And please exercise COVID protocol when picking up your food. You're dismissed.